Hi, everyone. This is Brad Thomas with The Ground Up, and I'm back again with another CEO roundtable interview. Uh, today, I'm joined with Jeff Bush. Jeff is the co-founder and CEO of Global Medical REIT. Uh, that ticker symbol is GMR, correct? R-E. R-E. <laughs> I knew I left an E out. G-M-R-E. Uh, Jeff, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Great. Well, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about GameStop too much. I think I got a little confused there with these tickers. Uh, it's, uh, I got to get that out of my brain. Um, well, Jeff, thank you again for joining us. And, um, you know, it's been a couple of years since we got together here, and I'm, I'm, I appreciate your time. Um, can you talk a little bit about, to the audience here, uh, a little bit about the history of your company and, and then also about the portfolio? What are you buying and what, what, what geographies are your properties located in? Absolutely. Uh, I started this company with a large investor uh, where we put in $40 million to test out our theory of a portfolio. Essentially, we saw a niche market uh, in triple net, absolute net leases in the smaller size of medical office building, which is a very secure asset out there. Uh, medical doctors don't like to leave their offices. And we then had a particular criteria to buy, which is we look for very profitable rent over EBITDA of the facilities. Uh, we made sure that they were extremely profitable. We tend to be about four and a half to five uh, on a property. So therefore, we look also for credits um, enhancement. Uh, we often get that, but it's not necessary if they're very profitable. Uh, based upon the theory that I've been, I've been in the business for 30 years and my chief investment officer has, uh, Alfonso Leon has done over 2 billion of these type of properties. And based upon the theory, if you have a medical practice of a top level specialty that's making a lot of money at a site that has all the amenities and good parking and everything else, good location, not only are they going to pay their rent, but they're going to renew their lease. Um, and that has proved out to be in our property that I'll talk later on about. So we basically invested um, in, you know, 2015, 2016, took the company public July 1st, 2000, July 1st, 2016. We then went out, we raised $150 million at the time. And over the last five years, uh, we've been one of the leaders of the index, uh, the read index in returns, and we have a lot of room to go. And I'll explain that later is we are an unusual position between being a, um, a value stock, a dividend stock at 6.25% this morning and a growth stock. Uh, our growth has been double digits. Our AFFO has, has been double digits this last year. And we found our niche. What our niche is, is we find medical office buildings mostly or medical practices, surgery centers, those type of facilities or rehab type facilities, or I call them opportunistic. We all have the background in buying medical office and understanding medical. So we come in there and we look for certain criteria, as I mentioned, 
extremely profitable is one of the criteria, a leader in the market. We buy mostly in secondary markets, like the smaller cities like Memphis and others, uh, even though Dallas has become one of our leaders in buying also. And we buy suburb, suburbs of primary markets. We find this is a tremendous growth area. And what makes us unusual where the big REITs come in and buy in the five caps and sometimes the four caps, we have a portfolio of $1.1 billion in assets, just over that at a 7.8 cap average right now, going up 2% a year. And most of that goes to the profit since we're absolute and triple net lease. Um, it's not like you have all these fees on top of that. So we're out there buying these assets, sort of a one by one, target 5 million to 15, sometimes 20. Every once in a while, we get lucky and find a, a bigger one. Uh, but essentially, it's because the big REITs, this does not what they call move the needle to buy five, tens, and fifteens. And so therefore, while there may be 30 groups, if you took a quality of an asset, 30 groups bidding on one in a main city and knocking it down to a two, a 4.5 cap, let's say, in us, we tend to be against one or two, uh, often a local group and others. And given our credit line, our balance sheet, and now our history of acquisitions, we win a good share of these top assets. And we've been accumulating for the last five, really six years, we accumulated approximately $200 million a year. And our, as I said, our average cap rates that we shoot for are mid sevens to above. Great. Can you talk a little bit about the market size? I guess that's one, you know, you mentioned a couple of these towns that you're located in. And would you consider this more of a secondary market strategy, Jeff? Or, you know, do you, do you get into the tertiary markets at all? Obviously, the, you know, the smaller towns are, are higher risk. Uh, so, so can you talk a little bit about your strategy? What's, what's the smallest market that you would go into? We don't really target tertiary markets. We really target secondary. Now, it's possible uh, to look at one, I, I, we're opportunistic buyers. So at one point we found one in Kansas um, that we bought, we saw a medical center that was critical, uh, long-term lease, got a nine cap on it. A year and a half later, uh, the main uh, credit uh, in Kansas state decided to buy it. And on $16 million, we made a $6 million gain flipping it, but that's not our really goal. Uh, we do find bargains once in a while, just sort of come right at us at these markets and we know how good they are. Right. Um, it's a rare key. It's a rare key. Uh, yeah. We buy for the long term. Uh, it depends how much medical needs there are. It depends on the income of the area. What's the payer mix? Is the payer mix Medicaid, Medicare, the aging population? You'll see us having a lot in Arizona and a lot in Florida because the town needs that there's a growing need for medical services. These are dominant players in the market. They have a market share. This is owned by the doctors there or a, a very strong medical group in that area that just dominates this market. That's why we get 
these great coverage ratios there. We tend to be, the way to really put this in perspective, we, when we buy a facility, the rent tends to be 5 to 10% of their total gross revenue, which is very small. It's not like, you know, seniors or something where it's like 80% of what their revenue is. So what you get when, you, when we buy it is, uh, and the best result that I can explain is that the, uh, we had like a stress test during the pandemic. And the stress test that came out from us was, hey, they got to close. It's not like they didn't have business. They had to close. Well, our customers, still, we still collected 99% of our rent. Um, we only, out of $80 million of revenue, we only had to defer for mostly only a few months. And that was just as a favor. They say, we have no cash flow. We have to go into our pockets. <laughs> so we only deferred 1.1 million and we were quickly paid that back. And there may be some remnants, but almost all of it is paid back. It wasn't really an issue. It was being a nice landlord by giving them a deferral with interest charge, but it was just being a, a nice landlord. But we did a stress test. Everybody had to close and they still paid their rent. Now, we knew what was going to happen as soon as they opened up, they were swamped with business because what we do is we do eye surgery, which most seniors have to do at some point, cataracts and others. We do, we have eye surgery centers. We have a lot of orthopedic centers. We have cancer centers, things that you have to go to, you know, you know, gastro in Memphis, as I mentioned, Memphis, Tennessee, we have gastro one. Gastro one, you got to go for your colonoscopy. Yes, you put it off a little bit, but you still got to go. There's other issues you got. So it's not like the business ever disappears. It just got delayed. We were such a small part of their budget. The number one expense for our groups is paying their doctors. So the doctors just don't take that much pay that month. Uh, second is supplies. Well, if you don't have business, you're not ordering supplies. We're very low on the expenses uh, out there, so it's easy to pay. That's one of our criteria to make sure that we're very secured. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I want to move over a little bit to kind of what I think is one of the more impressive parts of your business model, which is, you know, the cost of capital and, and your ability to generate, you know, really above average investment spreads compared to your healthcare uh, REIT peers. So you mentioned, um, you know, 7.8% cap rate um, to, and 2% growth. And, and again, you've got some outliers at 9%. I understand more opportunistic. But would you consider the 7.8% cap rate kind of the more normal range currently? And then can you, can you apply that to your cost of capital and just talk about your cost of capital and those investment spreads? Okay. Uh, yeah, we have a nice spread. I wouldn't say 7.8. Uh, we did do 7.6 in the first quarter, um, but I would do seven or above. It changes from quarter to quarter. Sometimes we could come out with an eight. Sometimes we could come out with close to a seven. Um, it's not really it, what comes into the market. Uh, how do we like it? The size sometimes brings it down the price a little bit. So we're, we always target for the mid set. Um, and we sometimes hit above, we sometimes hit a low. But figure of 7.5 average is sort of what we're targeting. And then you come out, our cost of capital 
you know, today would be about six something. So you got a six something cost of capital uh, on our last raise, it was about six. And then you got your debt. Your debt's about three. So depends what your leverage ratio, our target is to bring down leverage some and start slowly bringing down leverage. But if you take, you know, if you're doing a 50-50, I'll just give you an example. I'm not saying that can happen. You know, here you are with a six and here you are with a three. Basically, you got a nine and you half it at a 50-50 just for easy. You're four and a half. You got a three spread. Yeah. You buy two and eight, you buy 200 million. Historically, we bought $200 million a year. I'm not saying we're going to do it this year. We started out and we've announced the nice amount that we started to the year. When we did the raise, we announced we had under contract. But historically, we've been able to do 200 million, sometimes a little bit above it. Let's just go with 200 million. If you take 200 million after the raise just now, we did. We have 60 million in stock. I'm just at, you know, giving you a rough number. So therefore, if you take $200 million and you say, oh, theoretically, if you have a three spread, you just made $6 million. $6 million into, because we just did the raise. So that's, it's at 60 million with the raise um, of, of stock approximately. If you do the raise, you're basically talking 10 cents a share just on that. And we keep going. So therefore, if you do 200 million a year, approximately 10 cents a share to an AFFO is possible. Then you got the 2% on the 1.15 million that grows a year. Some of it is taken in increased expenses. But since most of our stuff is absolute net or triple net, most of those are expenses are going to the tenant. So you got some growth there. Um, you could do a nice, it's possible in this business, if things go right, to do double digit growth on the AFFO if, if all these variables do happen. So the spread is very nice. The business is about spread. That's how I see it. This whole business is about spread and buying these really great assets. I love medical assets. I've been in it for years and years, um, involved in the medical business and the real estate business for over 30 years. And of all the asset class out there, the reason I like this is they're unlikely to ever want to move. <laughs> they, they make money at a location. They like to stay at the same place. It's sort of a funny thing about doctors. And they like where they are. They like to stay where they are. And to get this type of spread, you know, if we could do double digit growth, which is what we're trying to do, we're not you know, no guidance on that, but we're trying to do that. And then that incorporates into possible double digit in the AFFO possible. Great. Well, Jeff, I was doing some, some math here. Um, and again, I know the company didn't provide any um, guidance for earnings, earnings guidance. Uh, we we kind of modeled, you know, the historic acquisition history of the company and so looking at analyst consensus numbers, which is really what we can rely on as well. Uh, and you've been able to grow your analyst coverage. I can see over the years, over the five years, you continue to grow that. Now you're at you know, over a billion uh, enterprise value, 1.2 billion enterprise value. So obviously you're gonna to continue to increase your coverage. 
But um, but that being said, you know, you you went through the pandemic and um, uh, generated 88 cents of AFFO in 2020, uh, covered that dividend, 80 cent dividend. So that's about a 90 percent payout ratio on AFFO during a you know, in a pandemic. And what's amazing is, you know, generated about 17 percent, you know, AFFF growth in a pandemic, which is you know very, very, very well done. Um, and on top of you in 2019, I, I did some checking, you generated about total returns of 80, 58% roughly in 2019. So then you go into 2020, had the pullback of course in price, but you were able to generate 17% growth in AFFO. Now I'm looking at analyst consensus for 21. I've got 12% growth is analyst consensus numbers. Again, I actually go out to 22. I don't have as many analysts, but I'm again showing 11, 12% growth. And then I actually have one or two analysts that go out even further than that, which is about the same number. So I'm seeing, you know, 12, 11, 10% growth uh, roughly, you know, for the next, you know, year, two or three. And so what that tells me is the payout ratio is going to, you know, if, if I believe those analysts and those analysts are right, then the payout ratio would drop to around 82%, 21, 75%, 22, and 68%, 23. Again, assuming all of that all these analyst numbers. So my question really rolls down to dividends, right? Because you, did, you didn't have to cut the dividend. A lot of your peers in the healthcare sector did cut the dividend in 2020. You didn't, uh, maintained a fairly, you know, a 10% cushion in AFFO. Now, as you reduce that payout ratio, what do you feel like the dividend policy of the company? Uh, do you expect to grow that dividend? Uh, again, you're still fairly young company in terms of your dividend history. So I'd love to get some insight in how you think about the dividend. Yes, uh, this last board meeting, the board decided to increase the dividend by two and a half percent. Okay. Uh, we're also talking about a target between 80 and 85% payout ratio. Okay. Uh, the, the, this one, I, you know, it ha it's a board decision. It's not a CEO decision, right. dividend. Uh, but I'm generally favorable for putting as much money as you can back in the pockets of the investors. Uh, but it's a board decision, and I'm one of a group of board members. But uh, I say about 80 to 85 percent uh, would be the payout ratio, because we also have another target this year is to bring down our debt level. Yep. And it, it's part of the reason we did the raise the other day. Uh, we did most of the raising last year from ATM, and the raise that we did a week or so ago was based upon trying to recreate another debt level, because we're finding ourselves in the fortunate position to get into what I call the virtuous cycle. As our stock goes up, the cost of our capital goes down, including the debt relatively goes down. Because at some point in the next few years, if we continue to buy, we get into these bond ratings and theoretically we're getting our, you know, our debt down. You know, it may interest may rise, but also our debt will come down based upon our size. So we can keep this virtual cycle that the spread gets better. And, you know, we earn more money. So we could have this continual growth if we do that. Great. Um... That, that's great. I guess that virtuous cycle that is really important, of course, is that, you know, for dividend growth. Jeff, I've got to ask you one last question. And again, I'm going to, it goes back to dividend again. Our, our retail audience really appreciates it. I know you pay quarterly. 
I know we've talked in the past about, you know, the monthly dividend. I'm just curious, you know, has, has, uh, I did see Agree, by the way, we cover Agree, which is a net lease REIT. They just uh, converted from a quarterly to a monthly. Obviously see that. Uh, any insight, any thoughts about that? I know, again, I know it's not your sole decision as a CEO, uh, but maybe you can take this message back to your board. And I know many of your board members well, by the way, uh, from, from, from REIT World, but uh, just curious what you think about the monthly versus quarterly dividend. Uh, I generally, I like monthly for the, the retail investors. Uh, the institutional investors are not so crazy about it. Um, but, you know, it, it is something we have not discussed. We discussed early on. It's something to put into a discussion at the board. Uh, I do like it for, you know, the individual investor gets to see that monthly check and, you know, could do what they want with it. Um, I don't think it's a bad idea uh, in the world, but I don't know if that's something that would be acceptable in sure. our company. I understand. Yeah. Well, I mean, it goes without saying, I mean, rent's paid monthly, you know, so it's just that's, and I think that's a psychological, more of a psychological advantage, uh, not as much a performance issue as you know, but I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's a signal to investors that you're getting something special every month as opposed to every quarter. But uh, anyway, definitely put that on the list. Um, and um, really, I appreciate your time uh, today. It's been very helpful to me and I'm sure our audience as well. And uh, let's definitely circle back around after your first quarter results and see how things are doing. And hopefully this, uh, recovery continues uh, for all of us. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it.